We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. No, Esme Murphy tonight. She is enjoying some much-deserved time off during this holiday season. I'm Lindsay Gensel, hanging out with you tonight from 6 to 9 p.m. with the lovely and talented and handsome... Jonathan Lowe. Those three things are very flattering and very untrue. Oh, stop it. Untrue. I honestly, you know, we worked together for about a year and a half as I was in the newsroom. Yeah. About a year. I don't even know. Saturdays are still not the same without you. I I said to Sloan Martin when I walked in because it's so quiet on Saturdays. And for the most part, knock on wood, not a lot of breaking news happens no, on Saturday. No. Every once in a while, there was something big, but for the most part, it was nice and easy, and you got to get a lot of work done, and I got to see you, and I liked <laughs> Saturdays. I didn't like Saturdays when I had to work and there were go for football games going on. Yeah, but that's true. There's an upside to working weekends. For instance, so when I was a news reporter, I worked Tuesday through Saturday, so I got Sunday and Monday off, and let me tell you, when you run errands on a Monday and everyone else is at work, it is heavenly, straight up heavenly because no one's there. The best thing, because I've, I've been in your shoes uh, many a time. Uh, I've worked for many years a Wednesday through Sunday schedule, so I'd have Mondays and Tuesdays off. Running errands was great. The best thing for me, since I like to play golf, you go out on a Monday or Tuesday, there's hardly anybody out on the golf course. You can go enjoy yourself and enjoy 18 holes and not really feel rushed. Well, it's like when you go to the gym in the middle of the day. Yes. You know, I mean, it is. That's, that's, I mean, that's. Let exactly. me take my pick of the machines and which one does not look <laughs> the grossest. Well, let me tell you, I went to the gym over the lifetime over at Target Center before, and downtown is a ghost town. And rightfully so. It is incredibly cold out there. Please be safe. Bundle up. I, you know, the only upside to today was the sunshine because there is something to be said about sun in the middle of winter that really just beats those gray days. You, if if today was overcast, it'd be kind of unbearable. The other good thing is that there was really little wind. Yes. And so even though you don't need a lot of wind to feel a wind chill or feel it colder on your skin, the fact that there's not a 20 to 30 mile per hour breeze out of the northwest, that – I'm sorry. If, if you're telling me that – then you're going to need to layer me in a block of some <laughs> sort of cinder cinder wood that's on fire to make me walk through this. Right. So hanging out tonight, we've got great show lined up for you. At 635, Dr. Katherine Nelson from the University of Minnesota Department of Psychiatry is going to join us. Heading into the new year where, you know, we're wrapping up the holidays. For some people, the holidays are tough. You know, for me personally, we lost my father in August. It was our first major set of holidays where we're figuring out this new normal. You know, we we did some old-fashioned traditions in our family. We brought some new ones in. We laughed a lot, which was so good for the soul. And I get it. The holidays sometimes are just not what we want to deal with. So how do we head into 2018 in the right state of mind? And if you're sitting at home and, and in all honesty, it it was my mother a few years ago who pointed out, Lindsay, I think you have depression. And it wasn't until I sat down with someone who could help me identify what those those 
um, characteristics were that I even realized that I did suffer from depression and anxiety. And, and now that I'm seeing a therapist on a semi-regular basis and I love going to see her, I'm starting to realize a lot of my life I was dealing with anxiety. I, I'm a very outgoing human being, but at the same time, I'm a huge introvert. And figuring out that balance was really tough for me growing up. And so now that I'm in a better place, how do we all get there? You know, it's it's difficult. And when you've got days like today where it's negative 17 outside and you don't want to leave your house and maybe the holidays weren't kind to you or maybe you're heading into the new year in a, in a situation you don't want to. So Dr. Catherine Nelson in about 20 minutes going to go all, over all of that. The first time I filled in for Esme, I had a blast doing this. We did the 7 o'clock panel and it was three people, Kate Raditz, Patrick Donnelly and Colin Hummel. And we just talked about nonsense for an hour and we laughed and there was some great insight and it was just fun radio. So we're going to try it again tonight in the seven o'clock hour. Got three people coming in that I straight up only know through Twitter. It's a group that loves food as much as I do. We became friends and now we have this rolling conversation of nonsense between us. So Three great guests coming in in the 7 o'clock hour. I've got some fun topics. We are staying away from politics. That was the one rule that I gave them. So I gave them some fun topics. For example, your friends are coming to town. They've never been to the Twin Cities. Money is not an issue. Where are you sending them? You've got, you know, like one full day and a night. So where are they staying? What restaurant are you taking them to? For me personally, if, if that's the case, you know, I've got friends from the south, from Atlanta, who always joke about coming up here. And they want to come in winter. And I said, no, you can't come in winter because you've got to come in the summer so I can take you to a cabin. Because until you understand cabin country in Minnesota and the culture behind it and how you pack up Thursday night and you get on the road as early as possible because if you've got to be on 94 anywhere near Rogers in rush hour, you might change your mind. So you ponder that because last time I made you – a part of the panel. <laughs> yes, you did. And so you are I'm unless you leave the room, I'm going to force you. All right. To I know where I'll send them. The factory where they make lutefisk. Ah. <laughs> I don't know no. if that's a kindness <laughs> or a a trick. Uh to be honest, I have not ex- explored the state as much as I should have. So I don't have a lot of places where they could go, but I mean there are places in within the cities that you could take people to and you're just these little nooks and crannies all across the Twin Cities that you may not find anywhere else in any other big city. All right. So our text line is open, 81807. Again, that's 81807. Just getting one from Dan. Hey, Lindsay, I'm right there with you with depression and anxiety. I also see a counselor. It helps a ton. It does, Dan. Man, having someone who does not judge you and is on your side 110% it really just helps. And some days I go in there and you know what we do, Jonathan? This is so this is just comical. We don't even talk about anything that's really going on in life. She helps me put together a list of what I want to accomplish. And then the next time I come back, we go over the list and she holds me accountable because you know what's on the list that I still have not accomplished? This is really embarrassing. Uh-oh. Go ahead. John and I have Let's lived have lived in our apartment for about a year and a half and I still have photos that are on the wall that don't have photos inside of them. Like I did a giant gallery wall and I put all the frames where I wanted them and about half the frames are still empty. Wait, wait so wait. So you have – so you got let, a wall. Let's break it down. So you got a wall with some frames in it 
and these frames got nothing in the frames. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I didn't know you were becoming some sort of Pablo Picasso yeah, type no, artist. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not. Um, minimalist at best. What? I'm sorry. I I <laughs> I now I live and I have lived for many many years as. I've been described as a Spartan, one of those Spartan livers where you don't have a lot of stuff. You okay, don't have a lot of I'm stuff the on opposite. the walls. I don't know what that is, but I'm the opposite. Okay. Now, I can understand having bare walls with no frames, and you just got walls, and it's just boring. But to have the frames and nothing in the frames, that kind of – it's an interesting uh, concept. I – I well, don't know. I don't know how I would take it. Well, it's on the list. So, sometime between now and the next time I see my therapist you, Dana, I'm going to have to accomplish it. You don't even have the stock photos with the the kids sitting in the grass with the puppy or no. uh, something, you know, from Life Touch. Well, in fairness, the photos at one time did have pictures in them, but then I moved in with my boyfriend, and I couldn't have an entire wall of just photos of me and my girlfriends. You understand what I'm saying? Wait a minute. People have man caves. You could have. We don't could, have a man cave. We don't have room for a man cave. But you could have a. We could have a lady wall. A lady wall. Yes. John, I don't know how John feels about having a lady wall. He already has in our dining room uh, my grandmother's vintage dishes up on the wall. So well, that's just polite. Yeah. That's yeah. Just no. Polite. He, in all honesty, as long as he has a, a clear shot to the TV and a good comfy seat, I don't think he really cares. That's, and I that's, say that. And that's why I think you could get away with a lady wall. Do you want to know what he's doing right now? Uh-oh. And I can tell you, I guarantee it. He is sitting on the left side of the couch with his feet up on the ottoman. He's playing video games and he's streaming us right now on the new little speaker he got for Christmas. Oh. So, John, if I'm right, send up a smoke signal or a carrier pigeon or get your <laughs> phone and text us 81807. But anyway, I have actually a very funny story I want to share. But so uh, 6 o'clock hour, Catherine Nelson from the University of Minnesota. 7 o'clock hour, some fun. The 8 o'clock hour, half New Year's resolution-y stuff, talking Whole30, this phenomenon. Every time I mention it on air, I get an email or a call from a listener who wants more info. And I am... I drink the Kool-Aid. I'm full in, 120%. Well, you've been doing this for a while now. I remember yes. you talking about this months ago because yeah. Car- Adam Carter was doing it as well. Yep. Carter's actually the reason I got into it. But a-, a girlfriend of mine is going to join us. She and I kind of motivate one another because you need someone like that to sure. keep you on track. So she's going to join us at 820 and at 835 – Aurelis Hernandez is a reporter with the Washington Post. She spent 30 days on the ground in Puerto Rico about a week after Hurricane Maria hit. Now, the Washington Post then spent another month putting together. Jonathan, I only can describe it as this multimedia video project, and it is fascinating. Mm. It looks at what's been happening in the 100 days. So Friday marked 100 days since Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, and half the country is still without power. It's amazing that this is – they predicted this. The people that were talking about the impact that this hurricane would have because it's not the first time Puerto Rico has been hit by a hurricane no. this directly. But with this type of infrastructure and this type of technology, it's the first time that this has happened. And there were people saying before this 
leading up to the storm coming through and hitting the island that there would probably be people without power for three to six months. And we're already, what, four months, about five months into this, and there's still half the island without power? They predicted it absolutely correctly, and it's I, I can't even fathom not going without power for that period of time. Well, not even just the, the no power, the lack of adequate drinking water, the not being able to take a shower. I mean, it's it's chaos. So Aurelius Hernandez is going to join us again from the Washington Post at 835. She actually is Puerto Rican, but she was raised in Maryland and she still has family living on the island. So I'm very curious to talk to her about what it was like to go back knowing that her family was so involved in everything that had happened. So uh, a funny story coming up for you about my worrywart self. We'll get to that next here on W. I'll be honest, you know I love karaoke, and I've done this song a couple of times. Jody Messina, oh, I had her, like, single. You remember when you, well, not to date you, but I know you used to go and actually, like, buy cassettes. <clears throat> I still remember buying my first CD. But I don't you remember you'd go and you'd get, like, a single? I knew there were singles out there. Um, I, I wasn't really the biggest uh, person. I'm not the biggest person in buying albums and buying CDs and buying cassettes. I did I did have a couple of cassettes um, when I was young. My brother was probably more into that, and that's probably why he grew into being a musician. Um, but uh, th- there were, yeah, I remember when you came out on – just like on it is now on Tuesdays, they come out and they'd have the newest hot singles and hot cassettes. I will say this: at least I am young enough where I have no memory of getting an A track, and I have no memory of getting a vinyl A side or B side. <laughs> so going, that's going so that's working bit. for me. Okay, so yesterday with the terrible roads, I had a a very um, worry wart situation unfold. So last night I was at the 7th Street Truck Park with Biggie from Jack FM uh, for a little pre-hockey party from 4 to 6. Now, adjusting to living with someone, my biggest issue was going and figuring out my schedule and then remembering that I have another person who needs to know about it. So I was working from 4 to 6. We had a holiday party that started at 5 but went into the evening. So it wasn't like we had to be there right at 5. So John and I had agreed that I would call him on my way to St. Paul. We'd figure out the plan whether I was going to meet him at the holiday party or meet him at home. And then we'd go from there. So it's about 3.30. I get out of the office. I'm driving over to St. Paul. And the roads are terrible. But because it's a holiday week, there aren't that many people out and about. So I get to St. Paul, I park, you know, the wild game is about to start. So there are a lot of people around and with the slush on the roads, it's gross. And so I, I've, I call John, he doesn't answer. And I, you know, I don't think anything of it at that point. I go in the seventh street truck park. If you haven't been is such a cool space. I'm super excited to keep partnering with them on some events because I think we can do some really cool stuff there. It's this big open space. And then each of the little food vendors is a different food truck front. So you kind of just walk up and pay and buy your food. And then you go get, you know, a drink and sit down and it's packed. You know, the, the wild game is about to start. People are out for a fun Friday night. It's busy. It's like 
4.30, I called John again because I just wanted to know, like, should I plan to come home? Should I plan to meet you at the event? Doesn't answer. Again, not like too nervous. In fact, I was more annoyed. I, was, I just wanted to – I wanted answers. Five o'clock, I call again. And at that point, because the roads were bad and because I was hearing all of these reports about accidents, I started to get very worried. And I am one of those people that goes from zero to 60 real quick when it comes to worrying. In my head, John was dead in a ditch. So I text him and I called him and I didn't get an, any response. So what do I do? I call his parents because I'm thinking, well, maybe he's at his parents' house because he does that sometimes. He'll go over and have a beer with his dad and just hang out. Call the house. John's dad answers. John's not there. Well, I don't want to worry them, but I've obviously I'm already there because now I'm calling to find out where their son is on this like snowy, messy commute of a night. So I'm just hanging out. and So then I text his two best friends asking if they had heard from him. Then I text his brother. And then I reached out to our realtor. And you might ask, why did I reach out to our realtor? Well, John had been looking at homes with him yesterday afternoon. And so I thought, okay, if I could at least get a timeline of when someone last saw John, I'd know where to begin. And at this point, I'm real nervous. And I'm calling John and I'm calling John. And I'm to the point where I'm thinking I might leave the event early just to go home. Because in my head, again... With all the accidents that were happening, John's dead in a ditch and I have to go home and deal with it. So as I'm about to call his parents one more time, I get a text from John telling me that this entire time he was napping. And I have to go back then and text back everyone who is now responding to my my worried text. You know, our realtor is responding. John's best friends are responding. His brother's responding. Like, no, I haven't heard from him. Please let me know. And I just responded to everyone the same text. Never mind. He was napping. And, oh, my goodness, the response back from every single one of them. I was – I mean, I'm not embarrassed because it means I care about him. But I may have gone a little overboard. And I think we do that though. You know, I think when you have a plan in place and something – it's like when you we used to have landlines and someone would call after 11. You were like, who's dead? Who got into an accident? Something bad has happened. No one calls after 11. That's where I was yesterday. You do not care. Because you, you obviously care. But – uh I'm just I'm just going to let this pass. Let this moment in time pass. It went a little far. Maybe maybe you 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 rein it in a little bit more, but uh I mean you you were worried and there are people out there that uh they need answers more immediately. And the fact that John was napping doesn't really help much. No. So I get home and we are, we get ready to go to this party. And I go, have you heard from anyone? He goes, no, why? And I go, well, I called your parents and I text your brother and I text both of your best friends. And I reached out to our realtor. And Jonathan, I thought he was going to crash the car. He was laughing so hard. Yeah, that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking. You told him this and he's just busting out laughing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then I found out that he did hear one of my calls before he fell asleep and chose not to answer it. So anyway, there was a little bit of a doghouse moment Uh-oh. last night. 
John, I was with you, man. You were you were you were scot free. You were home free, and then you had to say, "Uh oh." Yeah. Anyway, I can't defend you now. I know I I posted on Twitter, and I know I'm not alone. But most of the time, these are mothers that are doing it, not significant others. So anyway, next time I'll I'll be a little bit more relaxed, or we'll just have to have like a he'll send out a bat signal right before he's going to take a nap. All right, six thirty one here on WCCO. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Catherine Nelson from the University of Minnesota's Department of Psychiatry. How can we all walk into the new year with the right state of mind? We'll get to that next here on CCO. Technology is great because I just got a Snapchat from my best friend that her mom is finding 830 WCCO on her boombox so she can listen over in Balsam Lake, Wisconsin. That's a classy lady. That's a classy classy lady. lady. That's what I'm talking about. Well, it is. There is a generational thing about uh, when I have friends who are my age or younger and they ask how they can listen, if they can listen online. And I'm like, yeah, you can listen online or you can actually listen on a radio. You know, you go to the AM, 830. Sometimes that doesn't doesn't work so well. I mean, because in all honesty, if most people don't have radios in their homes anymore, no, and it's again, like you said, it's a generational thing. Everybody doesn't, have, you know, CD players. What's that? Record players. What's that? Don't even talk about eight track cassettes. Um, it's it's all iPods and digital music and digital streaming. Now. And now you can have those little devices where you say whatever Alexa or Echo or yep. turn on eight three zero WCCO and they do it. Yep. Crazy. Mind blown. Anyway, New Year's. A lot of people get into the resolution. What you're going to do, whether it's work out more, eat healthier, quit smoking. For me, it was looking at ways to improve your mental health. So I reached out to the University of Minnesota and Dr. Catherine Nelson from the Department of Psychiatry is kind enough to join us tonight. Catherine, thanks so much for taking some time on this cold evening. I hope you are bundled up at home nice and warm. Oh, yeah, nice and cozy here. Thanks so much for having me on. <laughs> of course. Thanks for coming. I, I've got to imagine, you know, we look at the holidays. They are a joyful time. But for a lot of people, they can be incredibly stressful. You know, the idea of going above and beyond every day and there's always a party. And, and in a sense, you always have to be on. You're, you are hosting or you're seeing family members or old friends and and it can be really tiring. Exactly. It's go, 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 and there's so much at stake. Close family relationships, expectations, meaning it to be perfect, magical, all those kinds of things can really uh, bring you to the brink. Well, I saw something today that caught my eye. It was five New Year's resolutions for mental health. Now, I'm just going to throw them out there, and then I want to get your advice on it because I know we are very far away from making – leaps and bounds when it comes to addressing mental health in this country. I think we've come a little bit away, a little bit ways, meaning where we were five years ago in addressing certain things to where we are now. You see so many more people being open and honest and and coming out and saying, you know, like I deal with depression or I deal with anxiety. And I think sometimes we can be caught off guard by the people who choose to be so honest about it. So I want to give those people who maybe are sitting at home, and maybe are dealing with some things, I want to give them motivation in the new year to address their mental health. So these five New Year's resolutions, I will take action on my mental health. I will be kind to myself. I will set healthy boundaries. I will exercise regularly. And I will resist negative thinking. So when we're heading into 2018, it's January 1st, 
where should someone start when it comes to taking control of their mental health? That's a great question. And I think um, actually shedding light on this issue, taking steps to destigmatize mental illness and the things that uh, many, many people endure is really, really the first step because there can be so much shame and stigma associated with it that it's hard to even ask that question. And so I think the number one step is exactly what you're doing, which is taking steps to reduce that stigma against others and that stigma against yourself and really take, you know, ask the question and do that self-assessment of where's my mental health at? Is it functioning in a healthy way or am I falling short of my goals and self-management because some mental health symptoms are getting in the way? And I think for some people, just identifying those symptoms is incredibly hard. I know for me personally, when I sat down with my therapist, who I've been seeing for a couple of months now, and really talked about things, and she would point out that guilt you're feeling, that's depression, or that's anxiety, and and things that then you look back and you go, oh, I've been dealing with this for so much longer than I even knew, but I had no idea what to be looking for. Exactly. And it's Sometimes uh, we're not actually even trained on what different feelings are, which can be kind of shocking or surprising. Sometimes you'll just feel sort of a gnawing feeling in your stomach. And later you go on and learn, oh, that's guilt or that's shame or depression. But uh, for many people, it's hard to even make sense of some of those sensations or feelings. And uh, meeting with a therapist can really help with that. What are you seeing as far as breaking down that stigma? You know, because for me personally, I think, and and maybe it's just because of the people I surround myself with, that people are being more open and honest about it. But I know that we are not anywhere near where we need to be. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think social media and the relationships that we're building virtually and in person are actually facilitating some of this growth and destigmatization. I mean, for a while, there was this sense that everything online had to be exactly perfect, and now the pendulum's swinging the other way, and people are saying, wait a minute, no one's perfect, things can't all be perfect, and we can actually be closer if uh, we can move past some of these superficial expectations. So if you were to give some advice about what people should be doing heading into the new year, you know, the holidays are over, we can leave some of that baggage behind, where would you start? Well, I would suggest really identifying uh, some visions and goals of where one would like to be. So that could be professionally or in relationships, really taking that step back to visualize and and not just kind of getting lost in the day-to-day shuffle, but saying, what are, are my goals for myself and my functioning? And then the next step is to sort of assess whether there are psychiatric or mental health symptoms that are actually making it hard, harder to achieve those goals, because the chances are they may be able to be addressed. Dr. Katherine Nelson from the University of Minnesota's Department of Psychiatry joining us tonight on WCCO. We got a text that came in, and uh, I don't know if you can put this into numbers for us, but when we look at the United States, is there a way to quantify how many people suffer from mental health issues? Yeah, at this point, we have understanding when we look at studies and kind of go door to door and assess people for mental health conditions, it's looking at one in four or uh, one in five are suffering with some kind of psychiatric illness. And so it's very common. There's very large numbers. If you're not impacted yourself, uh, chances are someone you love is impacted. And so this is something that we're all in it together. Are there some methods that people can be doing on their own? You know, the issue we have, I hear from a lot of people is mental health isn't covered by my insurance or I don't have that 
that coverage or it's just too expensive for me to go and see someone. And I know for a lot of people, you know, when the health insurance changes and then your psychiatrist changes and it is, it's a, it's a very personal relationship. And so it's frustrating for some people if they can't go see that, that same person over and over again. But are there some methods that people could be practicing at home to help get themselves in a better mental state? Absolutely. And managing the mental health system is so difficult. It's uh, un- unimaginably difficult, difficult, particularly when somebody's in crisis. And so um, it's always good to know that there are hotlines that uh, people can call. 1-800-273-TALK is the National uh, Suicide uh, Prevention Lifeline. Um, so th- that can always be accessed in case of an emergency. Um, but people's primary care providers are also trained in uh, kind of that frontline mental health assessment to kind of help determine next steps. So even if you can't get in with a therapist or a psychiatrist, your primary care doctor might be able to help. And then at home, there's a lot of um, things people can do in terms of self-care, learning different skills for self-management, anxiety and depression management. There are online resources. And I think um, we're also finding that the more one educates oneself with really high quality information about mental health, that can actually reduce some of the symptoms because uh, so much of the struggle has to do with feeling mystified about what's going on or shame about what's going on or feeling alone. So if you can get good quality education about how common is this and what are the pathway, what's the pathway for moving, moving forward, uh, that can actually uh, have people feel more empowered about what they're facing and actually help with the symptoms themselves. I had a woe moment with my own therapist when I was telling her about an incident that happened in first grade. So we're talking about 1991, 1992, and I got in trouble. And I still to this day deal with the shame of getting yelled at in first grade. And when she said to me, well, that's depression and anxiety. And I went, huh. Well, we got a few more years to cover here. You know, that was the, that's the first memory I have. I, yeah. And it's it was such a silly thing. I got caught hiding in someone's locker and oh a teacher God. yelled at me. And you think a normal person would just be like, OK, I got, I got yelled at by a teacher. I was seven years old. You did stupid things that I'm still holding on to that at yes. 31. Yes, uh, particularly for children and adolescents. These are such critical formative years that things are so, things that are associated with shame or punishment or getting in trouble can actually start some of that early architecture in terms of the self um, sort of rolling in that direction. And it's amazing to think about what kind of um, impact these early developmental events have on our current functioning and working with a really skilled therapist to understand that and how that impacts you and perhaps hold you back now in ways that don't necessarily need to be that way because that teacher's no longer... Uh, pointing their finger at you, uh, it can be quite liberating and empowering. I want to get to the connection between mental health and exercise because so many people tomorrow will set a resolution that, you know, I want to exercise three days a week or I want to lose weight and, you know, I want to be more active in the gym. And there is a connection between our brain and exercise. And I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Yeah. Our brains developed... In, in beings, in human beings that were getting a lot of physical activity. And for some reason, the way our bodies are built and our brain is wired, this uh, physical exercise tends to nourish the brain, promote, promote growth, and pr- pr- 
pr- uh, promote stress management, and uh, we know that stress has a lot of impact on mental health. So for people that uh, can really put the time in to do that commitment to get some good uh, cardiovascular exercise regularly, it can have profound impact on the mood and well-being. Although what can sometimes happen is people set goals to exercise, maybe they're too ambitious or set too high a bar, and then when they can't read that, reach that perfect standard, they again feel shame and actually stop exercising and feel terrible about themselves. And so I just encourage everyone to start modest goals, reasonable goals, things uh, that they'll be more likely to achieve and then start building mastery in that area rather than saying, oh, I'm going to the gym at 5 a.m. every day. Um, and then feeling so much shame when that doesn't come to fruition. Well, and you mentioned earlier the idea of self, self-care, and it's really a movement that I'm seeing so much promotion on social media in the last couple of months, the last year, this idea of taking care of yourself. And when it comes to exercise, you can find something that you genuinely enjoy and use that as your self-care, whether it's running or yoga, and you get so many different benefits from that. Any other ideas you can give to our listeners for self-care? Yes. Uh, There's some really important techniques that uh, are not well known enough, but they really, really should be. And these are techniques that people can use when they're actually um, not just feeling kind of slightly anxious or depressed, where um, maybe yoga or some different self-care things would help modify that. But For people that are actually feeling that panic response, that heart rate speed up, um, there's actually techniques that people can do to uh, slow down the heart rate and manage panic and kind of stop it in in its tracks in a way that doesn't even use medicine. And uh, that's a technique where you put ice on your face and that triggers a nerve in your body that slows down the breathing, slows down the heart rate instantaneously uh, because it takes advantage of a reflex that all mammals have. And so um, as you feel your stress and your panic ramping up in this new year, go ahead and grab the bag of peas, put it on your face, and then if you do a breathing technique where you breathe out for eight counts and in for four, that will stop uh, these kind of severe panic or distress reactions in their tracks. So that's something you can also share with friends and family. Uh, who you know might be struggling with these kind of intense emotions or panic symptoms. I've never heard that before. I mean, I've heard using a bag of peas to like help with puffiness under your eyes, right. but I've never heard of it to, to help with anxiety. Nope, it's got to be ice cold. Uh, you know, cold water isn't cold enough. It's got to be icy cold water or ice um, right on the face. But all mammals have um, a nerve in their body called the vagal nerve, which... Uh, puts the brakes on the fight-or-flight system. And for a lot of people who have these intense emotions or um, panic symptoms, that's when the fight-or-flight system is sort of going out of whack on its own. And so you can really uh, use this reflex to stop those symptoms in their tracks. And uh, that will maybe bring it down to a 7 or 8, where then you can do the yoga or you can do some of those other self-care things. But at that point, uh, you've kind of gotten to a place where you're actually able to do that because you're not intensely panicking. Dr. Katherine Nelson, Assistant Professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Minnesota, kind enough to join us tonight. Catherine, before I let you go, I want to get your opinion on happy lights because I've been hearing so much about them and I've been so curious about using one in my routine as well. Can you kind of explain what they are and what they're used for? Yeah. Are you referring to sort of those um, very bright lights that are used to treat seasonal depression? Yes. Yeah. So we call those seasonal affective disorder 
therapy lamps and they're special medical lamps. So this isn't just your light bulb that you'd have, you know, on your lamp at home, but this is medical grade equipment that you can buy. And the important thing is it's bright, so bright that it's 10,000 lux, L-U-X, that's the unit of measurement on how bright these are. And by using these lights in a specific way early in the morning, it simulates um, sunlight and that actually uh, can kind of kickstart the brain and curb some of the effects that these dark mornings uh, have, particularly for those of us in Minnesota. And so um, it's definitely worth a try, especially if you notice in those winter months you're dragging or having trouble getting out of bed, using one of these lights um, as prescribed can uh, really have meaningful improvement in your well-being and symptoms. Catherine, thank you so much for the insight tonight. I know for a lot of people, hearing it over the radio might be the easiest route. It might be enough to push them to get their own help. But I think we gave people a lot of really good ideas tonight on how they can manage things heading into the new year. So for that, I thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much. And call again. I will do so. Dr. Catherine Nelson from the University of Minnesota. Some great, great insights there. Get those bag of peas in the fridge. Get them ready for 2018. And of course, we hope that every single one of you walks into the new year in a better mental health state of mind. It is 6.51. That's the McCarthy Auto World time check. Save up to 12000 on new GMCs and up to 13000 on new Buicks during the year-end closeout sale at McCarthy Auto World. Lindsay Gensel here filling in for Esme Murphy on this very cold Saturday night. Do you have any New Year's plans? Are you here? You're probably here, aren't you? Oh, you guessed it. <laughs> I'll be here tomorrow during the day, but then I will have tomorrow night off, so I'll have a chance to go somewhere. I just don't know. Uh, I'm, it's, I'm kind of – I shouldn't even be kind of at this point. I should be well past this point where I'm looking to go to any sort of outing or get together or what or say say what. Um, you know, my 20s are – well in the rearview mirror, and my 30s are almost in the rearview mirror. <laughs> Age is just a number, though. Yeah, that's what they say until that's... you show up at the party with all the 23-year-olds and people think you're creeping. <laughs> uh, you don't look a day over, like, 33. Uh, that's very kind of you, even with this George Jefferson hair that I have right oh, now. stop it. Uh, I need to shave. Once I shave the hair off, I look, I look even younger. But it's always with the beard. It's always the beard and the mustache. I look 10, maybe 15 years younger without the beard and the mustache, and people always note that. It's, it's true. It's science. I ran into uh, my daycare provider a couple months ago when I was in New Prague, and I hadn't seen her in a long time. And she was like, oh, you look like you're 25. And I was like, oh, you have always been my favorite. <laughs> I will take that. So it's bowl season. TV is always on at our house because there's a football game on every single yeah, day. Yes. Did you see this report out of Memphis? Memphis? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. I'm, I got to be prepared for this because I don't know if you knew this, but my alma mater was playing today at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. So it might be bad about my wait, alma mater. So who's I'm, your alma mater? Iowa State. Stop. I didn't even know that, and I pulled the story. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's, I need it's, the brace. I it's need the not brace. bad. Okay. It's not bad. Okay. It's hilarious. Go ahead. Go ahead. Iowa State fans reportedly ran Memphis restaurant out of their Bush Light Supply. <laughs> 
your alma mater. Yeah, all I can do is nod my head. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's yeah, that's 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 about right. That's about right. So, so apparently, it was at King Jerry Lawler's Hall of Fame Bar and Grill. <laughs> they reportedly ran out of their supply of beer by 9 p.m., prompting the bar to order 19 more cases of Bush Light by oh Friday my afternoon. God. Now, here's the deal: I'm not a beer snob at all, but Bush Light is not even on my on my radar. <laughs> like. They used to do kegs of bush light in college. It is not very good. Mm-mm. And I say that and I know that I have family members who might be listening who enjoy a bush light every now and again. I'll tell you this. I'm not surprised. Again, people people look at Madison and say it's a real party town. I'm not saying Ames is Madison. Uh, I don't think it's on the same level. What's the, the like party that they have every year? Vishla? It's over. I need to see if it's still. I, I from what I heard, it's discontinued. It was called Visha. Okay, it, a friend named their dog that. They were Iowa State grads, and they named their dog after that party. Number one, I might need to meet these people. <laughs> um, number two, I might need to meet these people to ask. Come on, really? You named your dog Visha. Now, the reason it was called Visha is because it was named after each of the colleges. On campus of veterinary college and engineering and so on and so forth down the line. And they came up with this acronym that is VISHA. So that's the reason why it's named that way. Okay. But I but as I said, it may be no more. I've heard it's it's gone by the wayside. And that'd be very sad for alums like myself. Bush light, man. You're alum you're like I said, your alma mater. Ames is an underrated party town. That loves bush light and natty ice and wild turkey and all those good things that college kids usually do. <laughs> I have not been to Ames. I got close to Ames. I was in a town called like Storyland. Is that right? Somewhere on Story City. Story City. Thank you for a wedding. Anyway, we've got more coming up on WCCO Radio. Lindsay Gensel in for Esme Murphy on this very cold Sunday night. Coming up next year. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.